BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022. Investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer, Arkea Energy, and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. In a fast-paced world, every day brings new challenges and new opportunities. At Strayer University, we know a thing or two about getting and staying ahead of change. For over 130 years, we've been providing students like you with innovative tools and customized support. So you can find your way forward and always keep striving. Visit Strayer.edu to learn more. Strayer University is certified to operate in Virginia by CHEV and has many campuses, including at 2121 15th Street North in Arlington, Virginia. There will be long discussions of child abuse and child trafficking throughout this episode. Please be advised. Someplace underneath. I've really gone back. I think I maybe have mentioned this before. I, I've reverted to childhood food th- comforts that oh. I liked as a tw- you know a tween, like chicken nuggets shaped like dinosaurs. Well, you're ve- or vegetarian, so like yeah. Well, tofu I always nuggets. veggie nuggets were always on the docket, never went away. But yeah. I've gone back to just straight up Velveeta shells and cheese, just things that I think I'm just reverting to a child. <laughs> You know, whatever makes you happy. Yeah. (laughs) Whatever makes you happy. You know, food, part of it is just like, you got to be happy. There was a dietician I had to unfollow because he was just so, his face looked sunken and he was just like, you can eat a hamburger, but not with the bun. And I was like, how are you going to look miserable talking about food? Man, food's the best thing in the world. Man, I'm a pro carb woman. Yeah. Tell you that much. Welcome to someplace underneath I'm Natalie Jean. I'm Amber Nelson. Yeah, man. Carbs are the best. Yeah, they're not bad for you. I mean, no. all the other stuff in there's bad, like when you know whatever they add, but if you want to go make some bread, make some bread. Yeah, that's super healthy for you. Unless you have, you know, you're gluten intolerant or whatever, but bread, pasta, it's my rules, god. man. Give it to me. Give it all to me. Never, never could I ever. Yeah. <laughs> so let's get into some sad stuff. Right? How you doing, today, Amber? I'm good. It's um, you know, it's getting hot in LA. When that happens, people kind of lose their mind a little oh, bit. Yeah, a woman just came at you like a like a robot. Yeah. Like, yeah. It just means that I'm just gonna like not walk around with my headphones in. You know, I gotta be aware. Yeah, I I still have a bad habit of that, but I usually at least try to put only one in if I do. But I do like to listen to music when I'm. I know, around. and I feel like I'm in a video game. You know, it's dun, true. Dun, 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 dun. But then you know, I always see you do doing jumps over boxes and stuff when you're out by yourself. Well, you know, we started this new Louisiana series and we were mid-Katrina, which we're definitely going to talk about this episode. But before we got back in, I wanted to do a quick review of somebody we talked about two weeks ago, who is the little girl named Serenity Denard. And she was the one that was in the children's home that escaped into the woods. Yes. So... 
If you remember, we did three shorter form stories two weeks ago. And one of them was this little girl who was nine at the time she went missing in 2019. She was living at the time at Black Hills Children's Home in South Dakota. And that was one of those ones we did where we wanted to get her name out, but we didn't do a really weeks-long extensive research on her. So we got the very bare bones of the story. And I was very fortunately contacted by somebody who is a lot closer to the situation. Without giving too many specifics, I wanted to just talk a little bit more about what was going on in that facility because I learned a lot from this person. I am so curious. Yeah. So... Essentially, that home is a children's home in a psychiatric residential treatment facility for children from 4 to 14 years old. Four years old, psychiatric. Oh, my God. Some bad stuff happened to those babies. Yes, pretty much. I think it runs across the board that most of them have had some sort of trauma most of the time. I imagine there's some who are just they're not really sure. Maybe there was, you know, head trauma or something early on. But um That's just me spitballing there. I'm not sure. But so the kids, a lot of them have behavioral issues. Some of them have severe behavioral issues. So this can include things like chronically running away, for example, being overly aggressive, self-harm, things like that. Yeah. And if also a kid is being abused, now you have no respect for authority. So like. Why would you? Why would you? It's like eat your dinner. No. No. What are you going to do? You're going to hit me like everybody else does? No, I'm not going to eat my dinner. Yeah, Totally. So this is basically a community home that makes essentially the best out of a really bad situation that these kids are in. It turns it into a place that is home-like as possible. So think of it being more like a shared community more than like a child's prison. Right, because I was Um, picturing just like screaming and everyone's in the white uniform where their arms are tied. But there's probably like doilies and like things, you know, live, laugh, love on the walls. Yes. The people who run it are pretty selfless, I think, the more I've learned about it. People who come do this job really love the kids and want to help because you don't get a lot of money doing this job. Thank God there's still good people in the world. There are. And there are people in this situation specifically who are good people. It's a place where they try to make it. Some of them, it's the most home-like place they've ever lived. Oh my God. So, you know, it's not a facility where they were locked up. They're trying to treat them like kids and not prisoners, which I think is a really beautiful thing for kids who've gone through trauma because a lot of times they are sort of treated like um, menaces. (laughs) Yeah. So... The facility also uses trauma-informed care to help the kids calm down, you know, when they get upset and try teaching them coping skills and things that they never received before. These kids often came from truly nightmare scenarios. So this might be the only time they've ever had any kind of safety or any sort of boundaries, which is, you know, another thing that they really have to work through with some of the kids because they don't even know how to have parents. Yeah. I remember I was assistant teaching in the woods in this like small school in Louisiana. And one of the little, this is going to be really sad, Natalie, I'm sorry. That's what we do. I know. She crawled on my lap and it was just like really weird. It was just a little, mm, and we're talking like, you know, 10 to 12 year old kids. Oh, wow. A little bit past that. Wow crawled and like you know had this like sort of babyish kind of thing and I found out later that she was being sexually abused by her parents that's great man that's great and I don't know Um, what was done about it because I was just assistant teaching and I was a kid so I don't know what was done about it well 
Great. So, okay. It was the 90s, and we'll learn a lot more during this series. Louisiana doesn't have a great track record with caring for children who are sexually abused. So God knows. I hope she's okay somewhere. Yeah. I didn't know you were assistant teaching. I think I did it like someone in my family taught there and just very briefly. And then they were like, do you want to come up for the day and like hang out? No, and yeah, I was like, yeah. okay. And yeah. then I remember at one point they were like, can you go get a glass of water from the um, water fountain? I'm going to use it for like a visual aid for the class. I said, okay. And I go and I get it and it's just brown. So just drinking brown water and getting molested in the woods sounds oh, God. fun. Yeah. All right. But so the, so this is. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, so so when, you, when you're abused, you kind of act out. Weird. Right. And so this is a place that's really trying to teach kids how to just be children. A lot of these kids have never had the chance to do that. So this instance with Serenity, if you'll recall, she had run out of the facility. And there was a lot of questions as to like how that happened or, you know, was it negligence or you know, did somebody screw up really badly? So the source that I have basically breaks it down like this. One of Serenity's peers in her group caused a distraction. Her little group of people was in the gym. There are two adults for her tiny little group. Oh, did the little girl do that on purpose? It seems like maybe there was like a collaborative effort with the kids, but it's not clear. Mm -hmm. So this kid ran. This caused one of the two staff who was there with them to chase after that peer, leaving the other colleague alone with the three remaining kids. This is the point where Serenity ran out the side gym doors. The staff member could not follow her due to having other kids with her. It is expressly made a point that you cannot leave these kids unsupervised, but the staff members are told that they are absolutely not allowed to leave a group of kids unsupervised. Right, because if she ran out after her and leave three kids alone, what yeah. are they going to do to each other? They could run away. Right. So the thing that the staff member did that we could consider a moment's lapse in judgment was that they did not immediately radio for another staff member. It's those times where I can't imagine how hard that job must be because those moments are so crucial that they can literally be life and death sometimes, or in this case, life and missing. She hesitated to radio in another person, so she didn't immediately chase after her. It's probably the one time she didn't do it. You know what I mean? And of course, well, that was the time this happened. Well, yes. And we'll talk about that here. So even though the staff knew pretty quickly afterwards, I mean, it wasn't like she'd was just like, ah, she's fine. You know, it was literally minutes mm. that went by that it was too late. But the staff learned very quickly. And at that point, the staff who were working called every available hand, including people who weren't working that day, to come in and start searching. It was a very, very cold day. The police arrived within the hour. And as a person from the facility had said on the news, the police weren't called immediately because kids don't really just normally run full speed into the trees. Like you and I, when we talked about our experiences, most kids, when they get upset, they run 30 feet and they yeah. sit at a bush and they stomp their feet and they, you know, they get mad or, but they don't normally go into a very scary terrain like that at that speed. Because it's not uncommon for kids in this facility to have these moments of panic and anger because many of them are deeply traumatized by abuse and neglect, they didn't immediately think it was a 911 scenario. And so even though the cops were called within that hour, it's commonplace at this facility to be working through everyday things that are normal for most kids that are difficult for these kids because of the harm they've received. So 
they just treated it as though it was another one of these moments. However, this wasn't because of her speed of running away. She's so, fast. So after this incident, they have changed the policy at their residence to calling 911 immediately. And that means it's going to happen all the time. But they've learned that there's one in a hundred, one in a thousand chances that kid is going to just bolt. And, you know, sometimes those moments are crucial. The source that reached out to us says that the staff there are really good people who don't make a ton of money and they treat the children with love regardless of how angry some of the kids are, how violent they can even be. Yeah, I bet they hit back. They just start hitting. and just... the, the staff members do get hit a lot. Yeah. yeah, especially if you've been taken out of an abusive situation and put somewhere home, lovely, warm. Mm -hmm. Now you see, oh, this is what it was always like. And it sort of drastically makes that violence in the past even worse because you're like, oh, not everyone was treated that way. Yeah, and I also could see a, a scenario where those kids learned, you know, guard their temper with violence or yeah. to protect themselves with violence because their parents taught them or their, you know, their supervisors taught them that. So they don't know how else to feel emotions other than through rage and, and hurting. So the people there, they get sometimes, you know, abused by these kids, but they do it because they love the kids and they want to help them. So this person also wanted to mention that this home is completely removed from any town because we were talking a little bit about like what it must have been out like the train and everything mm -hmm. that uh, Rockerville is actually considered a ghost town. It's classified as a ghost town because it's so remote and there's very few things there. It's relatively close to Sturgis, like we mentioned, but that's still about a 40 minute drive. And that this is a positive thing for the kids because they can kind of live and heal in, in relative privacy and can have the freedom to play outside and in the nature in the very beautiful landscape without being near a bunch of random strangers. That's good. Because so like, what if they're in the city? We're talking about how the devil lives in the woods. But right. like, what if they're in the city and then they act out and someone films it on their phone and like puts that on the Internet? You know, or yeah, like the alternate of how scary the woods can be is that if she, you know, ran out that quickly, she could have been snatched by so many different people. And right. So there's a lot of positives for them to be out in the forest like that. And this also, to me, seems to add to the idea that she was potentially lost unless there was a really strong concerted plan to take her by somebody like somebody who had a long term plan. But there just hasn't been very much, if any, evidence to suggest that. Yeah, she'd have to have a phone and a... Right. There would have been some, you know, trace of letters. contact. Yeah. yeah. It's always a possibility, but it's not looking like that currently. I appreciate the clarification from this source, and I wanted to tell everybody else about it because we knew so little about the home whenever we did the segment. Yeah. I mean, all the news reports, it's kind of lazy journalism because, like, one report's written and then everybody just copy-pastes. Right. Yeah, exactly. And... It's hard to see the nuance in some of these situations, but it's, you know, it's important for us to try to see as much as we can from every perspective we can. I don't want to give away this person's identity, but their information that they held was really, truly devastating that, you know, kids in this home and similar because there's – I want to make it clear that there are many places like that where – kids are in these conditions who have been through some of the worst humanity and are often neglected, abandoned, or taken away from their guardians. This is why not everybody should have kids. Oh, yeah. Not everybody should have kids. I mean, you, you're telling me there's many homes where kids have suffered abuse. Why oh, yeah. are we making people have kids, man? Obviously, like, it's already not working out. Yeah. 
And I wanted to also note, I'm not saying Serenity was abandoned because I don't actually know the complete details of her family situation like we mentioned before, which is fine. We don't need her private family's information, but some of the kids were definitely, you know, abandoned and neglected who ended up in this home. And I just have a lot of respect for people who do this job and this work, most of whom, of course, are good people. And my respect is just like raised higher to that. Yeah. And in that vein, Amber, I know a lot of us with vaginas and uteruses are feeling a lot right now. There's lots of fear and grief happening for what's going on in the world. And, you know, many of the excuses for why this is happening revolve around people wanting kids and how they're so desperately waiting to adopt. And this this kind of environment Serenity was in is the reality of it. This loving little babies thing is fetishizing a stark reality for hundreds of thousands of children every year. And that while, yes, I do think we need to expand help to parents and families, that we discount those who don't want to parent or don't have the capacity to. Yeah, I'm tired of saying this rhetoric of the best thing you can do as a woman is have a child. No. No, it's not true no, for everyone. It. I think you've just lied and made that up, mm -hmm. and you're psyoping me. Mm -hmm. You're giving me a big psyop. And it's getting worse on the internet. Like, you think in 2022 it'd be a little more like free love, you do you, it's your body, but it's getting like... I feel like it's 1802 out there sometimes. Yeah, it's wild because I've never really wanted kids and I always thought it was going to be criticism from other women. But in this era, it's more like 25-year-old internet guys who are the ones who are nagging people. Yeah, it's weird. Um, it's like not what I was expecting dudes to be caring about because they don't actually care most no, of the time. No, they just want to hurt you. That's yes. it. And is it, do you think it's because they never really lived in like you know, a very regressive state or place or time. Like, this, it, they've lived in a pretty positive you-do-you yeah. you vibe, and then now they're getting out there to vote, and they're like, oh, my prop, we need to go back. And I'm like, "You, my man, you've never been back there. You don't want to go back there. I do think that there's a genuine, a genuine, you know, genuine, <laughs> a general fear of women having any sort of autonomy. And I also think that there's a, a large swath of people who live in conservative bubbles who don't live in the real world and don't have to deal with the actual consequences of things and just go like, babies are cute. That's it. I mean, um, I've seen a lot of tweets where they're just like, lock them up in cages, like lock women away. And maybe that's just people wanting to be edgelords yes. and make me feel bad. I but think so. Just to just time. say that, man. Yeah. 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 Do you have any friends? No. <laughs> like, do you hang out? No, definitely not. Do you like not. to go to the park? You know, no. what do you do all day, dude? And you think, oh, the world's going to be better if they have to submit. Submit to me and behave and lock them away. I'm like, maybe people don't want to hang out with you. I think, I mean, I think that's definitely the first problem. That's it. That's the yes. problem, man. No one wants to hang out with you. So we have to, like, dim our light for you? Fuck off. Sure. Yes, agreed. Agreed, Amber. Um. <laughs> I grew up my whole life telling me, like, I need to submit. You got to submit, submit, yeah. submit to him. And never that a man should, like, try his best and, like, lift everybody up around them. It's just, like, always having to dim your light for some fucking asshole. Yes. And not everyone's an asshole, but I think you're pretty correct about yeah. a lot of that. Why aren't we building each other up? All right, that's it. Um. <laughs> Build each other up. No, it's true. It's true. BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022 by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like building charging hubs for fleets of electric buses in California and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. 
It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. In a fast-paced world, every day brings new challenges and new opportunities. At Strayer University, we know a thing or two about getting and staying ahead of change. For over 130 years, we've been providing students like you with innovative tools and customized support. So you can find your way forward and always keep striving. Visit Strayer.edu to learn more. Strayer University is certified to operate in Virginia by CHEV and has many campuses, including at 2121 15th Street North in Arlington, Virginia. And during all of this stuff that's going on, I mean, without expanding sexual health care, reproductive health care, and There's instead, no formula on the streets. There's no formula. No. And I, you know who turned all of the bills down to make it so that it was more accessible? People who are conservative Republicans made sure that we couldn't get access to Crazy. because they don't care. They don't give a shit about babies. They don't care. Like if we're not being more focused on expanding sexual health and reproductive health care, we're increasing an already crisis level of children who are given up, abandoned taken away from abuse and it's going to be absolutely catastrophic to everything like the economy society crime everything i mean women are going to be murdered if they can't get abortions do you know that the number one reason women die in pregnancy is murder yes because their husbands murder them their boyfriends murder them yes so if you've never read or watched the movie White Oleander, I highly recommend it. It's I like a, that one. It's a fiction story, but the book years ago is one of the many reasons I never wanted to have kids. It's certainly not biological. It impacted me quite a bit. And, and that story is even told through the lens of a white child's experience in foster care, which while it's a horrible nightmare for that child, it's probably much better than many children of color's experience in foster care. But the absurdity, the notion that when we already have this level of child abuse crisis in this country that we need to add more unwanted children to the world is just, you live in a delusion. Yeah. But we're not going to let that happen, which is why we're not going to let women's rights be taken away and how we can work towards a better future of caring and nurturing the children who are already here will be something we're working towards as a society. I think that we're at a sort of watershed moment because of this insane thing that's happening. And I do think that there is potentially a positive side to that, that it will be pushed too far. And we got to focus on not quantity, but quality of children right. and children's lives. I was talking um, to somebody and he was like, oh, China has more people in America, so we have to get up the population. And I was like, but are the people in these highly dense populations, are they happy? No, the suicide rates are off the charts. Yeah, and he was just like, doesn't matter, doesn't matter. Why? Cares. Gives a shit. He's he's a piece of shit. I went to throw something away in the trash can at his place, and it was full of alcohol bottles. Mm -hmm. And I was like, oh, you're miserable. Yeah. Hey, not all people with trash cans filled with alcohol bottles. (laughs) Hashtag. Um, (laughs) No, you're right. I, I imagine that he's mad, and he just looks at Twitter all day. Just another person who sucks. And you suck, you piece of suck. shit. <laughs> <laughs> We're just complaining. And what's next? Let's talk about another piece of shit situation. <laughs> yeah, so I just wanted to say that, guys. We're not we're not alone here. Everybody is going, we're going to work on this. We're going to fight. We're not going backwards. It's not going to fucking happen. I mean. We still have, we still have a voice. It's, it's oh. you know, and I'm not going to be the one to be like, get out there and vote because that's fucking stupid. I mean, you should vote. But, yes, also, like, but it's like ultimately just. 
obviously you should you should, you should vote. vote. I mean, it's um, it's just such a whatever. <laughs> you you do it, it's it's going to be a bit of an intense few years, I think. But yeah, we're we're not screaming. going to go quietly no, into no. the dark nights. Be a screaming nightmare of a bitch. Yeah, I think that's better than voting. <laughs> be a huge <laughs> or fucking do bitch both. or do both. So this is not even close to being over, and I just want you to you know hopefully give a, a moment of thought to Serenity and the other kids in her position because there are many in this country. So we're going to go back now to Louisiana in the aftermath of Katrina. While there hasn't been much in the ways of identifying specific people who may have been trafficked, like we had mentioned last episode, that while we do know that there is a collection of missing people, that it's not really a number that is probably accurate, nor does there appear to be any sort of solid list of names of people who disappeared during Katrina. And there are still some considered missing. In that, there was a fair amount of studying human trafficking in the aftermath of Katrina. Because if you'll recall, we mentioned how they didn't really help anyone from Katrina, but went, the next people, how do we deal with them? Those people are already too lost and they got all wet. Who yeah. wants them? And we'll move forward. So, you know, I think it was a little bit of an inhuman, hmm, like observational look at the missing people of Katrina. Because of the disaster level of what happened, there were many reports made and many government, you know, oversight looks and, and groups talking about what went wrong. And so according to one of the reports that was put out by Homeland Security within the next couple of years. The Superdome Stadium served as a shelter for 30,000 displaced people and another 25,000 stayed at the convention center. Food scarcity, looting, public health issues due to the bacteria-rich floodwaters, and many other problems arose in the aftermath of this hurricane. So... While the claims of mass rape and murder in the Superdome were false, which was happening huh. at the beginning of the news. Yeah, because I I'd never went to the Superdome. I mean, I, I you know, I, I told you my story last time, but I was just told it was just like, don't even go near there. Right. And we'll get into again why that was probably over exaggerated. OK. But while that was not the case, the conditions were not ideal for people, of course. This was a disaster. Yeah. So, yeah, there was, you know, there was looting. There was food scarcity. There was people getting sick because they were all sh like shoved together in this yeah. arena. And also, like, you know, someone's house is gone. You're just like, fuck it. I'm going to go take a take some stuff that I I've mean, never yeah. had before in my life. And the looting, like. Who can possibly give a shit? Especially if you're going to like Walmart and stuff. Yeah. Let them loot. Who cares? And there's also people that are just like, oh, now I get to go find people and like kill them legally. Yes. <laughs> you the, know what I mean? This definitely is a part of, I mean, it's, it's right akin to trafficking. It's the percentage of people who see a disaster as an opportunity to yeah. hurt or, you know, gain something through the suffering of others. I think somebody told me that uh, when 9-11 happened, Washington Heights, that's upper Manhattan, because lower Manhattan was getting hit. But upper Manhattan, it was just like, everybody was like, oh, now I can like go avenge. It was just so many murders. Avenge. Avenge. Because <laughs> it was just like, you killed my uncle 50 years ago or whatever, so now I'm going to come kill you. That just seems absurd to me. If there was... A crisis. Is that where your mind would go the first thing? Is that Some people you? are bad. You're nodding, Amber. Uh, no, like, I don't agree with that. Did you avenge somebody 
after <laughs> now I'm a living. Katrina. <laughs> no, but like some people are, are bad people, you know? Yeah. Just like with the, the people that put their kids in these homes or like, you know, yeah. abuse their kids. Like some people aren't good. Some people are definitely really broken. I'll yeah. say that much. So, yes, the Superdome was not at the level that it was first reported. We'll get back to that. But this report by Homeland Security also goes into the problems with handling labor in the immediate aftermath of this level of destruction. On September 5th, 2005, the Department of Labor temporarily suspended health and job safety standards for counties in Louisiana that had been devastated by the hurricane. Days later, the Department of Homeland Security placed a 45-day suspension on requirements for worker eligibility and identity. Following the suspension, because of the national emergency and need for urgency, the president also suspended the Davis-Bacon Act, which ensures fair wages for repair workers on federal contracts. All of these regulatory suspensions created an ideal situation for labor trafficking. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So... Counties are called parishes, right, in mm-hmm. Louisiana? Why is it called, why are they called parishes there? I don't know. I was, I never thought that that was, I always thought everything was a parish. Just kind of like when I went to New York and I was, Mardi Gras was happening and I was like, yeah, Mardi Gras is coming around. Everything's going to be crazy. Get your groceries now. You go stand in line, you get it. And people are like, what are you talking about? Because <laughs> I thought everywhere was just like Louisiana. <laughs> no, far less titties, oh, unfortunately. So, I don't even remember if there's anything I'm quoting that says parish, but parishes are essentially counties. Mm -hmm. Um, I forget why they say that in Louisiana. What this is saying about the Department of Labor, basically, when all the stuff collapsed, when the infrastructure collapsed, and all these people were out of businesses and out of homes, it was like, yeah, I mean, it's a really tricky situation. People need to work. People need workers. If your entire building has been destroyed and you need it built back up and there's no government there to help you, like, what are you going to do? Have people fill out W-4s when you're, like, on a raft? Yeah. I think there was a sort of a libertarian or, like, a like an I- idealist punk viewpoint that's like, yeah, no government interference. Let the people decide how to handle this. Yeah. But. That could be good or bad, you know? Right. You could look at that and go, well, this doesn't have to be a bad thing. That could be considered a symbiotic relationship for two parties of people going through this crisis. But now we're just going to have to assume that everybody's a good person. Right. Which hmm. there might not be. All, there might be one mean person. Yeah. One mean person there. So this is actually, you know, unfortunately, it's opening the floodgates on Bad players, not people who are shirking the governmental policies who aren't like paying their fair share of taxes, but literally taking advantage of desperation to trick people into slavery. Man, Um, we started off the episode being like, I'm glad people are good. They're (laughs) donating their time to these children in need. And now we're just like, these people are bad. And the, the problem is, is the vast majority of people are good, but they don't cause the problems that we have to talk about. They don't. And also, like, under a, a chaotic event like this, that's when your true colors show. Oh, yeah. I can't imagine. Like, you must really see somebody for who they are yeah. during this time. So, yeah, you know, most of these people probably could have just had a symbiotic relationship. But there will always be a contingent of people who see an, a disaster and look for the ways to you know, prey on Avenge. people. We'll call it avenge. I, I say more just like, you know, steal. Yeah, what is this, like slave. the 1800s? The avenge. At least avenge suggests that they did something wrong to you. Yeah. These people are just bringing in poor people and being like, 
you'll work for three cents an hour, you piece of shit. Right. So that's, you know, I wish that I wish that it could work that way, that we could just let the people govern themselves. But obviously, people are pieces of shit sometimes. And when it's not regulated to some extent, the abuse begins in rapid succession. So during this time period, foreign workers were being shipped in and essentially being mistreated by work pimps. It was also happening to displace locals, but they were bringing in labor from out of the country who, you know, as far as labor trafficking goes, a lot that who were shipped in were really just trying to like earn money for their family you know, not to take advantage of the situation or the U.S. working population, as many idiots like to claim about low-wage immigrant workers. But, of course, many of them, when they got here, realized they had essentially been put into chains and forced into almost free labor. So that was a lot of people coming from the outside into Katrina, who they realized, like, oh, we have this huge labor trafficking problem now with the natural disaster. And Um, some of this stuff isn't even, like, fixed, Oh, right. I mean, a lot of it isn't. So I'm just kind of like, you brought in all this labor. What did y'all even do? I mean, it was all self-serving. It wasn't the government bringing people in. It was like, you know, traffickers bringing Uh, in and like rebuilding certain things. The city bank. They built that up real quick. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. The government fixed the bank. (laughs) Yeah. And I'm not, this is not like a rah-rah government thing at all. It is more to say the government really fucking dropped the ball by going, well, there won't be any regulations on like, you know, labor or anything. Let them figure it out. But because it, it mostly felt like the government was just being like, I don't want to deal with it <laughs> more yeah. than anything. And also, this is from this report. Although labor trafficking is primarily associated with foreign guest workers, disaster survivors fall victim to sex trafficking and child trafficking because of the factors already outlined. Those factors being, you know, disarray, desperation, you know, lack of basic human necessities, that sort of thing. So the labor traffic, a lot of it is getting shipped into Katrina, but a lot of the large percentage of the sex trafficking is happening to people who were from this area. If that makes sense. Uh, I'm just imagining somebody being like, you want this roll of toilet paper? You're going to have to suck my dick. I mean, it's really not very far from that. (laughs) So sex trafficking is much more a risk to people in the area who have lost all of their belongings. There is a former sex worker named Allison Franklin, who's now an advocate for women and children, who was she was gang trafficked at a young age. What does that mean? A gang like a gang like a group of people like a street gang like a crypt blood kind of situation she was trafficked at a young age to make money for the gang and her trafficking happened actually in texas but she was around for katrina's aftermath and was still trafficked at that time so this is from an article from the world.org she remembers working around 2006 when women started showing up from new orleans after hurricane katrina So many individuals flooded just this area alone that I know of. They were homeless. They had no money. They had no place to live. And so you're not left with many options when you're in that situation. So here, Alison Franklin is noting that women from New Orleans and the surrounding area started coming to Texas to look for sex work. Many of them may have been shipped there initially to escape the storm in those, you know, shuttles and stuff. And then were sort of left with very few options once actually removed from the storm itself. When the crisis was over, they didn't have their things and they didn't, maybe some of them lost their homes. So 
they were just there. Now, as I'm sure you all know, we are very pro-sex work on this show. People who are making that choice from a sound and proactive place are very different from those who feel trapped into it or resigned to it. So this is not an empowering personal autonomy-based sex work. No, no, They're like, I need a place to stay tonight. I need some food. I don't know what to do. My child is starving. Yes. So... Uh, that's like when when all that shit happened with Ukraine. I know stuff is still going on there now, but people are on the internet like, oh, all those Ukrainian girls. Ew. <laughs> you looking for a warm bed? Where are like, these horrible men you see on the internet? I don't know. I just everywhere. They're everywhere. They're Ugh. like flies. Gross. Yeah. And I was like, oh, you mean like a sex trafficking victim? Does that turn you on, you sick piece of shit? I definitely don't think you're, that's not somebody you're following saying that, right? No. Okay. People on the internet. You oh, know. God. Any sane person would see that as a predator. I don't think they're sane. So many of these women were turning to the streets like those Allison Franklin saw post-Katrina and were not happy to be there. And you'll hear from sex workers from all corners of the earth. If you're down and out, the pimps and the predators will circle you. Oh, like, like wolves. Yes. If you're down, you will get trafficked whether you wanted to do sex work or not. So you might have thought you were going to go on your own volition and do sex work. Maybe it wasn't your first choice, but you're okay with it. But if you are vulnerable, the pimps will come. This is why I want to get a gun, Natalie. You can get a gun, but I would like if you did a lot of practice. I'm going to do all the training. I'm going to get the certification. But like, you know, some shit like this goes down. I don't want these men coming around me being like, you suck my dick. I shoot him. I'll shoot them in the head. Well, I will try to make sure that you are not in that scenario (laughs) at any point. (laughs) Thank you, Natalie. Amber. BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022. Investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer, Arkea Energy, and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Ophthalmologist Dr. Strauss has seen firsthand how the Metaverse is helping surgeons practice the procedures to treat cataracts. Cataracts are the primary cause of avoidable blindness. He works with a virtual reality training platform developed by Fundamental VR and Orbis International to help surgeons develop the muscle memory they need. The result? More confident, capable surgeons. And even more importantly... Patients who can see. Explore more stories like Dr. Strauss's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. But this is not just those who get displaced geographically. So we're getting this side of it where the women are, they're out of New Orleans now from where they came, from whence they came. After Katrina, former Congresswoman Linda Smith said that she noticed. Girls who had been trafficked by a major trafficking ring across the upper part of the country, but they were dropping into the Katrina area. Now, what shocked me when I talked to some of the girls, they were like, well, yeah, that's where you go. That's where there's a lot of buyers. So, huh? So they they came in from other areas into Katrina. Yes. So that's the other side of this. Here's some more quotes, some from Fox News, some from the Cross Tribune. Waves of hurricane refugees and looters filled the French Quarter streets. Then soldiers in red berets and boots took Bourbon Street by storm. Then came the journalism corps, construction workers, and prostitutes. Additionally, in an interview with Fox News, Captain Kevin Andrews stated, 
Prostitutes from Milwaukee, Minneapolis, Detroit, and Las Vegas have been found working New Orleans streets. The article continued, explaining that during a two-week crackdown, the police had arrested 53 women on prostitution charges. In hindsight, law enforcement participants interviewed have wondered how many of these women arrested for prostitution may have been under pimp control, brought in by traffickers to serve the demand of male workforce rebuilding a destroyed city. I'm pretty sure most of them had pimps. Yeah. I I doubt that a woman would be like, I'm going to go where the bad place is. Yeah. So this is sort of a glimpse into the lens of what the mentality was during this time period. Instead of checking to see if these women were in distress or scared or trapped, they arrested them for prostitution and then left the potential pimps to their own devices. Just let them hang out and just ruin more girls' lives? Great. Yeah. And it wasn't just women from other states. You know, local women were being sold too. Like we said, local is your vulnerable population for domestic trafficking. The former congresswoman says it can be your foster kid or your runaway kid. And we know they're out there. And now they are more destabilized. It makes them ripe for the picking. Which, oh, my yeah. God. This is also kind of why, back to the early story, why that little child shelter was in the middle of the woods. Maybe that's also good. So if something like this happens, it's harder for these Mm-hmm. villains to go out there and like take these kids and traffic them. Yeah. So the women who were kind of walking into New Orleans, many of them were definitely brought by other people. But when they were getting arrested during that time, they were looked at as the villains of the story, of course, like get these prostitutes out of here. A lot of them really didn't want to be there to begin with. Um, and then we're going to have to go into this part of it, which Yes, a lot of the kids who were in unstable environments were victim to trafficking in this time period. And always, but definitely in the time of post-Katrina. Reps from the organization Shared Hope International made this statement in 2008 regarding the follow-up of Katrina. To the untrained eye, victims of domestic minor sex trafficking can easily go unnoticed and often do. At best, victims of DMST, domestic minor sex trafficking, are identified as sexual assault victims and receive short-term counseling for sexual trauma. At worst, these victims are identified as juvenile delinquents and spend much of their juvenile life in a detention facility for prostitution-related activity. The likelihood of re-victimization is high, and many of these juveniles are entrapped in a cycle of violence and victimization as they continue to be misidentified and mistreated. So this is a report that came out again in 2008. And this is, again, a look into what our mentality was in the 2000s about child sex traffic abuse victims. It's not that much better now, but they still get treated as troublemakers. But then they were treated as though they were like these loose, bad kids because they were sex trafficked, which holy shit. What are we doing? That's such a like non-empathetic. I can see the person saying this just like, well, they shouldn't have been there then. Maybe they shouldn't have got oh, themselves these troublemakers. Oh. They should pull themselves up by their own bootstraps. Why aren't they in church right now? Yeah. This report was essentially going, hey, guys, maybe the homeless kids forced into sexual assault are victims. <laughs> they, it was a report trying to explain that to people. Yeah, they, they were just like, nope. I don't like it because these kids are bad. So they they need Jesus. Yeah. So it wasn't that long ago within our own lifetimes that it had to be clarified that commercially sexually exploited children, as well as prostituted children detained in the juvenile justice system under prostitution, 
or prostitution-related charges are considered victims of sex trafficking, not juvenile delinquents, regardless of their legal status. Jeez, yeah, no shit, Sherlock. Someone's, like, abused as a kid and thrown in and out of foster care, and then they get set up with a pimp and, like, oh, wow, they're acting out? Wow. Man, regardless of their legal status, as though that makes it okay. Once they're 18, you go into jail forever. I mean, like, legal documented citizen status. Like, they're going, like, well, they're not really sex trafficking victims if they don't even pay taxes here. That's kind of what the mentality was. Fuck that whole, I can see that mentality. I know exactly who believes that, and it's a lot of women, unfortunately. Oh, yeah, it is, definitely. So... The report goes on to say, and this makes me really upset, but we have to say it. Yeah. Conservative estimates from various state and nonprofit agencies interviewed on the number of DMST victims they served totaled over 100 victims in the Baton Rouge, New Orleans area since 2006, i.e. post-Katrina over the next two years. Staff at Youth Oasis, a Baton Rouge shelter, reviewed their computer records and reported that 57% of the 157 youth who came to the shelter in 2006 qualified as DMST victims, though they were not identified at the time. The Office of Community Services reported 35 confirmed instances in Louisiana of a parent or caretaker directly involved in the prostitution of their child since 2006. So this is just a little cross-section of people that they surveyed. This is basically a slice of life percentage. That is such a Louisiana thing. I'm just <sighs> being like, well, they should have pulled themselves up. So they're saying the two years following Katrina, you know, they had over 100 victims that would be considered child sex trafficked. And 35 of those in Louisiana were trafficked by their parents. For sex work, sex assault. I don't even know. The fuck Why are we that. making people have kids? This is the more we talk about this. I'm like, this is crazy. Yeah, it's crazy. It's crazy. So, yeah, it makes me just want to scream. Like, how could you? I would I think some people would try to argue that the parents were just desperate. But if you're trying to sell your own kid, that's got to be for drugs more than anything. Yeah, you just want the drugs. You're a selfish piece of shit. I don't care what you're going through. Do all the drugs you want. But once you have kids, you have a responsibility. Mm mm. So yeah, that one, also that that statistic was in Baton Rouge, which is where you were post-Katrina, mm-hmm. right? Am I saying Baton Rouge, right? Yeah, I'd say, you could say Baton Rouge, or some people say Baton Rouge. You know, that's if you want to be real bougie. I'm definitely not going to say that. <laughs> Baton Rouge. Baton Rouge. Baton Rouge is interesting because like somewhere around the college areas, it's like very wealthy. They have like sorority row, which I've like walked through a couple times, and it's like million dollar mansions. And then you go like... A few blocks down, and it's just like a trash can lit on fire. Really? Yeah. Is Baton Rouge a, would you call it a city? Yeah. How Like, how big? I don't know. I know they have, like, a garden district, and I know they have the college, because I mostly just kind of stayed around the college area, and they have a few other places. I lived off campus for a little bit. So Baton Rouge is... 222,000. Yes. So it's a lot. 222,000. Speaking of Baton Rouge, I remember walking through these like beautiful homes and I went to go visit my friend and then she was in this like dilapidated apartment and then I go in there and she always had problems and then this is the last time I spoke to her. She takes her top off. There's dog shit all over the carpet and she's just naked and she's like, can I borrow 20 bucks? And then like lights a cigarette inside of her apartment. Oh. I smoke sometimes, but smoking in your house is like not moist. It is not cool. 
Yeah. Yeah, but so it's it's very like varied in that way. Huh. 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 Okay. Yeah, $20. <laughs> Just tits out. You know, a cigarette. I like her. <laughs> I like her. Yeah, I kind of like her. <laughs> <laughs> so wait, bought, bought, I keep saying bought and rouge. Bought and rouge. Sure. That's all right. I don't think anybody says it that way. <laughs> Baton Rouchon. It seems very close to New Orleans. So yeah. what is the driving from New Orleans to Baton Rouge? I don't remember, but I we would go there drunk a lot. Woo! So it was like a place that's very drivable from New Orleans. Yeah, we would go in like to New Orleans and then like drive back like okay. that night. You oh, know, okay, 4 a.m. Yeah, yeah. And then go on the causeway and like I remember yeah. the car would go up a little bit on the on the railing and I was like, uh oh, <laughs> we're yeah. gonna die. No, I definitely don't drink and drive. Don't drink and it's drive. It's not folks. worth it, guys. It's really stupid. I never drove, but there was always somebody who'd be like, I'll be good. And they weren't. You know, we'd go in New Orleans. Yeah. It's also very scary around there. Like, I remember my girlfriend and I, it was Halloween. And then we were walking around. I don't know why it was just the two of us dressed like slutty bunnies or whatever. Sure. And then you hear these like voices of men from the bushes. And then I looked up and like, you could just see the eyes of all these men and they started walking towards us. We like fucking, a cartoon, they were in the bushes? Yeah, we fucking ran, Ugh. ran. Because also like with these party towns, especially in New Orleans, people just feel like you're a woman here, I have access to you. Right, you are, I'm allowed to do what I want. Whatever you want. Right, which is not the case. That's not the case. And if you try, you might get your eye gouged out, just yeah. so you know. So yes, a lot of that statistically came from Baton Rouge, but that's also, you know, directly related to Katrina because it was through the hurricane as well, right? Baton Rouge was pretty fucked mm -hmm. up. So there are many more of these child sex trafficking victims who are misidentified and not counted. Who knows if they even ever had a social security number? Yeah. You know, say you're a woman in poverty and you give birth and all right, fuck, it's another mouth I have to feed. And like, you don't you take time off to go like get this kid a, a, the documents. Yeah. I mean, work. even and even if you do have a social security number, it doesn't necessarily mean anybody's going to record you. Yeah. Your number, you know. The same report from Shared Hope International that goes on to say that after these kids were found in this time period, there weren't any real laws for prosecuting the sex traffickers. Man, fuck that shit. There was a new law that was passed in 2005, but authorities continued to charge the sex traffickers that they did find with kind of basic molestation charges. It's like a slap on the wrist. And meanwhile, the women that are actually out on the streets... Using their body, and every these are day. these are children. These are kids who were being trafficked. Why are they being treated worse than the pimps? Um, because we hate women <laughs> as a society. So, you know, apparently before the two thousand and five, child sex trafficking wasn't considered its own crime. At least, not any worse than molesting a child. Like, just take me to outer space. Like, what? Uh, get me out of here. And that's also, what are they going to be like? We didn't know. It was different time. We didn't know back then. Yeah, you knew. Yeah. You fucking knew. And it's I'm pretty go hard ahead. to not know. Yeah, I'm going to guess some of the people in law enforcement and the government might have been fucking pedophiles. Amber, how dare you say that <laughs> about our wonderful men in blue? Um, yes, absolutely. A lot of... That's probably why I mean, there wasn't those laws. Even the cases we've covered already, there have been known police officers who were caught doing these things. Oh, and then they send the prostitute off to jail. I've read those stories. Well, they're like, arrest her, have sex with her for free, mm -hmm. and then send her to jail. Fuck you in the ass. Yes. Suck a cock and die. Yes. 
Yeah, this is a rage episode. Um, (laughs) This report is quite long, but what it boils down to is that after Katrina, the people who trafficked children were not appropriately punished, nor were the children appropriately protected in the first place or afterwards. We just really offered up the victims of Katrina on a sacrificial plate as a country. We saw it and went, these are mistakes we made. Oh, well. Oh, well. There's people that literally think Katrina happened because there's like gay people in New Orleans. I remember that like in a lot of the churches. But I mean, do we know for sure? I don't know. Might God, be. I don't know. No, that's not. The gay people make everything better. <laughs> oh, but that's a whole different episode. It is an entirely different episode. <laughs> but yeah, the reports also mentioned that when they inquired about Shared Hope International doing this report. They went around to different child protection agencies um, and law enforcement officials and went basically, hey, did you know that there's this new law that says you shouldn't traffic children and that you shouldn't punish them? And a lot of them didn't know, or at least said they didn't know. And they went, oh, Shared Hope calls it an awareness crisis. I really don't know if I buy that they didn't know or if they just didn't give a shit. They knew. They knew. Yeah. I I think they did more than not give a shit. I think they loved it. Maybe. I'm not I'm not even gonna defend that. They might I might you know, they might have really just been like happy about it. There's just so much nightmare fuel in this report. Other concerns from Shared Hope or that the Child Protective Services didn't want to deal with the child's rape or molestation accusations, often moving the child to another agency before the report could be investigated. Sounds a bit like the Catholic Church with priests, doesn't it? Oh, yeah. So if a kid had a story to tell about what happened to them, a lot of the CPS at the time were just like, "I we're not, uh, get him out of here. We're not la, dealing la, la. with it. And they would just move the kid. So when they tried to do an investigation into it, the kid was gone somewhere else. And like, oh, the kid's at some other place now. I don't know. So that's garbage. <laughs> <laughs> Another is that in order for a sexually assaulted trafficked minor to receive help, of any kind from the government services, they were required to plead guilty to juvenile delinquency first. What? So they had to go up on the stand and essentially say, part of it was my fault for getting raped. This is fucking like puritanical shit, just like straight up in the courts. They would make these kids who were violated in the worst way on earth say like, you know, it's because I was there on the street and it's my fault. Before they could get, like, health care and shit. That's so, you know, it's a very, like, Christian place, Louisiana. I want to be Christian. I want to like it. But some of these people I meet, man, are just, like, they're from the devil. They're evil. They're pure evil. You make a child get on the stand and say, sorry, I was raped. I kind of did a little bit of it. Can you help me? Yeah. Fuck out of here, man. Yeah. I don't know how you can justify that being a good person in any way, shape, or form. Not a good person at all. Not Christ-like at all. No. So let's, uh, <laughs> we're going to wrap it up here. So, I'm so mad Sorry, now. Sorry, everyone, I'm we're mad. mad. But, <laughs> you know, it's good to be mad about this shit. You should be mad because this is how we stop it is being fucking angry. If we're complacent about it, it never goes away. Can you imagine being like, I didn't know I wasn't supposed to traffic children. I, uh, whoops. Yeah. I, I didn't know. You fucking knew. Yeah. I mean, they were allowed. That's basically what they said for many decades and generations so i guess they just kept doing it let's go to outer space amber (laughs) we're gonna finish up katrina and the aftermath next week so join us for that you can follow us someplace underneath on all the socials and me at the natty gene i'm amber smelson 
and we'll uh, be saucy, pert, and greasy then, now, and always and forever. <laughs> Bye. This show is made possible by listeners like you. Thanks to our ad sponsors. You can support our shows by supporting them. For more shows like the one you just listened to, go to lastpodcastnetwork.com. BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022 by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like building charging hubs for fleets of electric buses in California and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. When booking with other vacation rental apps sounds like this. This place doesn't look like the pictures. Ah, Is there a door behind all those spiders? It's time to try one that sounds more like a vacation. Ah, this is perfect. Relax, you booked a Verbo.